Right then. Does anyone know what song that was? That was Bad by Michael Jackson. Apparently it's from his second best album, according to Pat, on the PA. It's a song about um, a reformed bad kid who has been to college, I think, and now he's saying that it's to, to be good is the new bad, yo. So there you go. That's kind of, it kind of links to what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about a man called Zacchaeus. Um, right, before you open your Bibles, can anyone spell Zacchaeus? Hang on, wait, wait. Z-A-C-C-H-E-U-S. No, no, no. That's wrong. Any, any other tries? Oh, Ivakin's going to get it. Z-A-C-H-E. Well, Emma was close. Any more, any more takers? You see, you think you know it, but no one does. I've been practicing all week. And... It's not Z-A-E. It's, it's Z-A-C-C-H-A-E-U-S. Please, no one called their child Zacchaeus. If, you've, if Jesus tells you to, that's fine. So yeah, Zacchaeus, a bad man. So people say. Um, so my, I'll just, I'll just uh, plot spoiler right now. But the point of what I'm going to say is that Jesus absolutely loves Zacchaeus. Um, and I believe in this little story we're going to read, there's a, there's a challenge for us to love people like Zacchaeus uh, and also to understand how much he loves us. Uh, and there are a few little implications for us, I believe, in responding to that. So let's turn to Luke, if you've got a Bible, Luke 19. It's right at the beginning of that. Jokin's already there. I don't know about you, but I always imagined basically he was Danny DeVito. I don't know. That's just what I have in my head for Zacchaeus. This angry little man. Uh, so I'll give it a read. I'm, I'm in the NIV, anglicised. Woo! Uh, I think it's anglicised anyway. So here we go. From verse 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, sorry, I did that so, because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him in gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back. I'll pay four times the amount. 
Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So a nice little story about a happy short man who climbed a tree. No. Well, that's, that's what we were all taught as kids if you went to some sort of Sunday school. That's what I remember, the man who made the effort uh, climb the tree. That's not kind of the aspect I'm going to focus on today. Um, but let's get straight into it. Uh, let's look at tax collectors. What is a tax collector, I hear you say? Uh, well, Rome, huge empire. I think we all know about Rome. Uh, was very, very wealthy, expanded a lot, built lots of cool things, invented lots of cool things, huge army, roads, etc. Um, but it was funded by tax, pretty much. So when it would invade a place, take it over, uh, it would basically tax people, earn money off them to fund the next campaign or whatever. Watch Gladiator if you want to know more. Um, and interesting fact, uh, each person in the Roman Empire was roughly taxed, uh, taxed about 1% of their income. Um, seems not like a lot to, compared to today. But um, So how that would work would be that in every sort of country, uh, Roman officials would be put in place to collect tax. And by and large, they didn't actually do that themselves. But they basically, they would get a local guy in an area to be their sort of tax collector. Um, I can tell this is exciting you. Stay with me. The, the local tax collector actually wasn't paid. What? Wasn't paid, didn't have a wage. But the deal was, hey, you get your tax, but you can just basically make up taxes, extort people, make money out of people, and you can keep whatever is above this threshold. Um, and obviously Roman officials would basically, it's kind of like the mob really, like they would be there to enforce whatever the tax collector decided. Um, so already we're going from happy nice man to uh, this kind of dark image of what a tax collector is. And what made tax collectors even worse, shock horror, was that so they were local people in Israel, they would have been Jews, who were deciding to serve the Roman Empire, basically over their own people, um, serving this pagan, rich empire, um, and lining their own pockets. Um, so Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector, but he had climbed the ranks of tax collectors. He was a chief tax collector. Everyone said, boo, chief, boo. Uh, so he was like a manager, like a mob boss, basically. Um, I know tax evasion is a hot topic. Quite often we like to uh, sort of make the tax evaders out to be these bad guys, but how much more in this setting would people have despised the tax collectors? Um, I was searching for an, a villain in a movie to compare Zacchaeus to, uh, and I found what I think was the ideal one. So we'll watch a little clip from one of my favorite films. 
Yes. Happy birthday to you. Sonny, that box is done up right pretty, ain't it? Well, Mr. Sheriff's sure, it's my birthday present, sir. It sure is. Why don't you open it? Oh, boy. One whole farthing. Have you no art? We all scrimped and saved to give it to him. Now, that's mighty thoughty of you, widder woman. The family that saves together pays together. Oh, now don't take it so hard, Sonny. Prince John wishes you a happy birthday, too. Um, 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 for the poor. Hmm, well. <laughs> well, so far it's been a cheerful morning. <laughs> Keep saving. <laughs> what a dirty trick, you poor old man. All right, let's, let's stop it before <laughs> it gets happy. So let's kill it there. Come in and rest yourself. I'm sorry, I know we're all emotional about Shay. Maybe that was pushing it a bit too far as well. If anyone's struggling. Sad, sad moment. One of the saddest moments maybe ever in film history. Um, if you don't know the ending, you should go and watch the rest of Robin Hood. It got, it got okay. Um, but yeah, do you know what? To make it even worse, tax collectors quite often, I read in a commentary, victimise the poor uh, and vulnerable because obviously they're the ones that can't fight back. So the Sheriff of, of Nottingham maybe helps us see how people might have viewed Zacchaeus. So bad guy, unpopular, despised, general betrayer of his nation, uh, thought of basically as a sinner by the Jewish nation, uh, but pretty much also kind of untouchable um, in the sense that if you were a Jew um, who had half a brain, you would not want to be associated with a tax collector. Um, he's basically poisonous to hang out with, in effect. Because um, if you associate with him, you're associating with his behavior, with his uh, betrayal. Um, so tax collectors were quite isolated other than people that, you know, they bought things for or maybe the Roman officials they hung out with. Um, they'd chosen wealth over relationship. So how does Jesus decide to treat Zacchaeus? Well, let's just read again. Um, in fact, does someone want to read for me? Just uh, verses 1 to 6. In fact, 1 to 7. Go on. Who's going to be my friend? Shay, it's your last day. Come on, let's do it. ASV. What's ASV? America's Land of Go on, then. We'll have, give it a go. And he entered and was passing through Jericho. And behold, a man called by the name Zacchaeus, and he was a chief publisher, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not, for the crowd 
because he was little of stature. And he ran on before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Abide like that, make haste. Okay, I can deal with that. Jesus, first off, talked to Zacchaeus. Um, let's, just, let's just spend a moment on that. He, he treated him uh, as a person. He, he sort of validated his existence. He didn't ignore him. Um, not only that, but he invited himself around to his house. You know, Jesus is pretty reckless, basically, in this moment. Uh, he's showing extreme love, compassion, and acceptance uh, in front of this huge crowd of people. Uh, Jesus was ultimately sacrificing his street cred, basically. Uh, the crowd around him were like, Jesus, Jesus, you're the man. And then suddenly, like, hey, what's he doing? Why is he talking to that guy? Uh, you know, and he, we read, don't we? They start grumbling, mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Uh, kill the mood, Jesus. A few chapters earlier in Luke, uh, in chapter 15, Jesus has just told this, um, the parable of the lost sheep. Uh, and it's the story of a shepherd who loses a sheep, obviously, but, and, and he leaves his 99 sheep to go and search after that one sheep. And that's kind of what Jesus is doing with Zacchaeus. He's, he's almost uh, forgetting the crowd, forgetting the 99, to go after that one guy. In uh, Luke 7, we read about the, this woman, this sinful, supposedly woman, who anoints Jesus. And the Pharisees all around her are saying that same thing. They're saying, wait, doesn't he know how sinful she is? Doesn't he know who this woman is, what she's done? Uh, and the crowd are almost, it's, it's kind of that same attitude. It's like, doesn't Jesus know who this guy is? Doesn't he know he's a sinner? Uh, shock, terror, anger, uh, reckless behavior, Jesus. Um, you know, the crowd, if you were stood in the crowd, you might think, I've been here cheering for you, Jesus. I'm a good Jew. I, you know, I follow the law to the best of my ability. I've been following you around, cheering. Uh, I'm on team Jesus. I work hard. And you decide to go to his house, the, the sinner, the betrayer, the one who has thrown you know, his Jewish inheritance away. I don't know if this reminds you of maybe another character um, from another Jesus story. For me, I thought about the elder brother from the prodigal son, which is in Luke 15. Um, I'll just read a bit of that. So we've got this, this man with two sons, and this one son says, I want my inheritance now, and he goes away and he squanders it, loses his money, and comes crawling back home. And then we have this elder brother, um, 
from verse 25, 15, 25. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you gave me, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. When this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Anger, it's so unjust. I've been working so hard. I've been so good. And Jesus decides to, to, to welcome himself into the home of Zacchaeus. This is what the crowd would have thought. I don't know if anyone here is an older sibling in real life, uh, or the oldest, maybe. I'm the youngest, so to me, this is all foreign. You know, I've probably done my fair amount of squandering and just crawled back and, you know, been welcomed. So sorry, Suze, big sister, if you're listening to this recording. I've not fully stole my inheritance yet, but... Um, at some point, I, I would have thought we could probably empathize with the crowd or in the lost son's story, we could probably emphasize with the elder brother. Um, I find it really interesting that the elder brother, so at no point did the elder brother know what his little brother had been doing, but yet he says, he's been squandering his money on prostitutes. You know, he was, he was guessing uh, the backstory, wasn't he? He was judging, he was saying, no, you've clearly been sleeping around. No one told him that. Maybe, I, I know I've done that at point, some point, sort of said like, you know, judging without knowing uh, what's going on in someone's life. Uh, and you know, it's, it's kind of normal, without God, it's kind of normal human behavior, isn't it? It's just so easy to judge. Um, a few weeks ago, I was with Gary and Steve at the back there. We went to dad camp which we just camped in a field, basically, with tents. It was nice. Uh, and we had a fire each night once the kids had gone to bed. And inevitably, we, it sort of just descended into discussion. And I think the pinnacle was about tax evasion at one point. Uh, and tax havens, and we were discussing, and then and sort of saying, you know, well, what about these people that do that? Or, and, 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 you know, we had the business guys, the entrepreneurs that were sort of defending uh, effective whatever, use of your tax man. Uh, and soon it became apparent, probably after slightly too long, that actually we're talking about this colossal grey area and we were each passing judgment. We were, each, we were judging each other, we were judging these people that were avoiding tax. Um, it's so easy just to judge someone and assume. Um, but, you know, as Christians... As sons of God, brothers and sisters of Jesus, daughters of God, we have a new nature. We've got a new identity. Um, we've experienced the grace of God, um, his loving judgment on us. Um, we have the mind of Christ. And, you know, we know the judge, so we don't need to judge people. The challenge for us and for me reading Zacchaeus' story is, you know, am I going to be the crowd or will I be Jesus in how I react to people? 
um, in the parable of the prodigal son, will I be the father or will I be the elder brother? You know, the father in this story, he doesn't get the um, prodigal son to wash before he runs up to him, hugs him. Uh, He just goes straight in there. He's not bothered. I spoke quite a while ago this year on holiness and I was talking about how our holiness as Christians, we don't need to be scared of like losing it or scared of infection almost. Um, but the, the holiness that we see in Jesus and just in like this Zacchaeus story is this kind of aggressive holiness that goes out into the midst of so-called sinful people or dark places. It goes there and it spreads holiness. It doesn't say, I want to avoid them in case I get contaminated. Um, I don't know if you've seen Black Panther yet, but I talked about Wakanda, how, um, right, don't, no plot spoilers. Impossible. No, it's possible. But Wakanda is this sort of secret, that's only a quarter of the way into the film, uh, place uh, that's almost like hiding all this awesomeness. Uh, and, you know, we don't want to be like that. We don't want to be like hiding our holiness in the middle of Africa, I guess. Uh, we want to be going out into the mess, getting dirty, uh, not being afraid to hug smelly people like the father. At university, my probably most effective work for Jesus, I feel personally, my most fruitful conversations about life, God, everything, we're in pubs, we're in clubs, uh, kebab shops sometimes, uh, but more there than in the Christian Union meetings, even though I was diehard Christian Union uh, person. My point is, we need to not fear, we need to know who we are, know we're holy, and just like Jesus, you know, invite ourselves into the, the house of uh, of the people that we one might challenge our holiness. Jesus calls us out of our comfort zones um, to seek the lost. Just like that shepherd who leaves his 99 sheep, he left the safety of his uh, sheepy crew and he went out to find that lost sheep. Um, yeah. Interestingly, I was just sort of mulling over this judgment thing and thinking how many times I've probably judged uh, Christians in the public eye when they associate themselves with uh, some sort of supposedly evil person. Um, yeah, and I think there's loads of examples and it's so easy to think, oh my gosh, I can't believe they are, they've got them on their record or they're hanging out with them or they're having a picture with them because they are this horrendous person. Well, that's not um, what Jesus did, was it? Right here, in front of the crowd, he associated himself with Zacchaeus. He said, I'm going to his house. Uh, I can only imagine how I might have judged Jesus in that moment. Let's be compassionate first. Let's love first. Uh, Let's not assume the worst. Let's assume the best. Let's see people with God's eyes. Um, In Matthew 5, Jesus talks about loving your enemies. The really challenging passage, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you, 
Um, I recently had a bit of a run-in with a landlord. It was an exciting time for everyone. Uh, over a deposit and ended up giving away slightly more of my deposit than I had wished for in my, in my heart. Um, and you know, it was frustrating. And in the, in the, in the moment, I was, I was angry. I thought, this is so wrong. Uh, and just going on that journey with God, realizing, actually, I need to love this guy. I need to pray for him. Uh, and it, you know, it's, it's not natural all the time, uh, but we need to be doing that. It's a, it's a real challenge to love our enemies. And sometimes it means blessing that person when you don't feel it. It means praying for them when you don't feel it. Uh, Jonah, Old Testament. He was an interesting guy. Uh, we know about he, obviously, Jonah and the whale. It's great. Um, I don't know if you get Jonah and Noah mixed up with my kids. I keep saying Noah and the whale or Jonah and the ark. Maybe that's just my personal issue. But Jonah and the whale. Jonah did not want Nineveh to, be, to get God's grace, basically. So Nineveh, this evil, evil place, lots of bad stuff happening. Jonah knew that if he went there and preached the word of God, that God would be gracious on them, that they wouldn't get what they deserved, basically. Um, sure enough, Jonah failed in his mission to avoid uh, Nineveh, probably had quite a painful time, arguably died and got raised to life. Who knows? Off the record, that was. Um, but Jonah, he didn't trust that God knew best in that moment. Um, so we need to trust that God's love is actually the best way forward. Sometimes when we want justice or we want the right thing, you know, it's almost like we don't want them to experience the love of God because they need to learn the lesson. Uh, but actually, we must trust that God's goodness um, is the better way. Uh, it's a real challenge because it's, you know, it's not what society says, is it? Um, yeah, I think one thing that sets us apart as Christians, you know, if, if you get, if you're a victim of a crime or something, is I think with the, we are the, the people who should be able to love and forgive um, and pray for criminals in particular. So maybe when you read the story of Zacchaeus, you thought more like, I can really empathize with Zacchaeus. I am the bad guy right now. I, oh my goodness, the things I've done, the wealth I have squandered. Um, I am that prodigal son. You know, at some point in our lives, it's actually crucial that we have some sort of moment of that where we realize, wow, I need Jesus because without Jesus, I am lost. I, I stink. I'm covered in mess until Jesus finds me. You know, you need some point identifying that. Um, but Jesus finds us. His, his, the message is that he's, he's leaving the 99 to find us, to come and save us. Uh, and he does not uh, 
leave us far off. He does not say, cool, no worries. He runs uh, to embrace us, uh, even in our mess, to save us. Um, yeah. Amy was going to be my example here. Reuben, can you just stand just there? <laughs> Brief demo. Unnecessary, but it gives me a chance to tackle Reuben. Um, so God does not say, no worries, Reuben. You know, let's get together. He says, he does this. Sorry. There were some clicks. <laughs> I think it hurt me more than it hurt you. You know, God, yeah, he is that father. He runs towards us. <sighs> okay. This is the clear message of the Zacchaeus story uh, and the, the story of the lost son is, I love you, says God. I value you. Even though you're a mess, even though you're a royal mess, I love you. And I will leave the 99 to seek you out. I will choose you in front of the crowd. I'm really out of breath. That was, that's, that's a shame. That's amazing. That is amazing. And um, I was thinking about embarrassment. You know, we see Jesus, I don't think he felt embarrassed. I think that's the key. But to me, it looks like he embarrassed himself in front of this crowd. Um, but you know, for us, he, endured, he chose the cross. You know, the cross is ultimate degradation. It's nakedness, it's mockery. It's becoming the lowest scum in society. Uh, I don't know if you've read or watched Narnia, uh, you know, when Aslan gets, sorry, plot spoiler, killed, uh, <laughs> they, they shave off his mane, don't they? they? They humiliate him. They say, you've lost your status, Aslan. And Jesus was like that. Philippians, it says, Philippians 2.7, he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. He humiliated himself. Um, Jesus is not shy about getting embarrassed to demonstrate his love. I mean, that is a serious challenge to me. Wow, would I risk embarrassment to demonstrate love? Um, since I've had per two little girls down there, Pearl and Flo, it, I do find it easier to embarrass myself. I think I even take pride in that, that, you know, that I'm being embarrassing. It's this kind of strange flip. So at the end of this Zacchaeus story, in, in verse 10, Jesus says, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. And you know, that kind of bookends this whole sort of series of stories that's been going on in, in chapter 15, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, and we see him finding the lost Zacchaeus in this story. But you know what? He has found us. We were the lost. And that's the gospel. It's amazing good news. And you know, many people are like that prodigal son. They're still 
in the mess, in the pigsty, and they think that the father is going to reject them when they get home. Uh, Many people see God like that, that how on earth could I go to God? How on earth could I go to church maybe? Because I'm a mess. I'm going to get rejected. I'm going to get judged. But that's not the truth. That's That's not what we read, you know, just like I ran and hugged Reuben, that is how God is going to respond to these people. Um, people don't know the truth. They don't know the good news about God's love. You know, Jesus calls us to leave our 99 and find that one. So how did Zacchaeus respond to the love of Jesus? Let's have a I want to just quickly, just to round it up, nearly done, compare the story of Zacchaeus to a story that happens in chapter 18 um, that you probably know pretty well um, because it's about money, which is obviously a big deal. Chapter 18, um, verses 18 to 27. A certain ruler asked him, Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You should not commit adultery. You should not commit murder. You should not steal. You should not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who, asked this, uh, those who heard this asked, who can be saved then? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And then just after we, we read the story of Zacchaeus, um, and, you know, rich ruler Zacchaeus, both rich, very rich. Arguably, Zacchaeus was probably richer, um, both in authority. Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector. The rich ruler was a rich ruler, apparently. However, that's where the story changes. The rich ruler kept the law, right? He was like star Jew. He was like the elder brother, working hard, doing everything right. Um, Zacchaeus... Colossal mess of a Jew. Um, Textbook rebel, more like the prodigal son. Rich ruler, Jesus said, sell everything. What did he do? He went away sad. He didn't want to do that. Jesus said, it's impossible. It's seemingly impossible. It's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. It's like, it's not going to happen. Yet... What is impossible with man is possible with God. And we see that with Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus, same deal, rich ruler. Um, but this time, no command was given. Jesus didn't say, sell your possessions, give everything away. He just had this encounter uh, with the radical love, grace of Jesus. And suddenly, he understood the debt that had been lifted off his head. Uh, and what did he do? We read in uh, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
just like in, in Luke 7, the woman who pours this expensive perfume on Jesus. It's an extravagant, crazy, illogical, financially irresponsible response. It's just, whoa, everything. Zacchaeus' wealth in that moment went down a lot. He did not give everything away. He had something left. Uh, but his income shrunk, shrunk in that moment. And, you know, we've all heard that phrase, hopefully, you know, show me your budget or your wallet and I'll show you where your heart is or what you value. And, you know, Zacchaeus demonstrates his value for Jesus. He trades his treasure in that moment for Jesus to be his treasure. And in that, in that same moment that he gives away his treasure, Jesus responds, today's salvation has come to this house. You know, he, his extravagant repentance uh, was very practical. It was, you know, he literally was like, I'm going to repay four times what I've wronged. Um, in the Torah, it talks about repaying like two cows if you steal a cow. It's different for different crimes, but some of them are like three times, some of them, but Zacchaeus goes beyond what is required of him in the law. He says four times, it's more than the law. And when we meet the love of Jesus, uh, you know, we're called to go beyond, uh, beyond the law, aren't we? So let's be extravagant in how we right our wrongs. Um, I'm not just trying to get you to give money to church. That's not my agenda here. I'm trying to get you to understand um, money is a huge deal, but how we respond uh, when we encounter the love of God is different. When we understand the debt that's being repaid, uh, it's different. And Zacchaeus is an amazing example of what it is to hold uh, your treasure lightly in your hands. So, we're done pretty much. So I hope that you've seen in this story, it's, it's such a rich story. I've only scratched the surface. Um, but the way that Jesus treats Zacchaeus is complete, r- reckless, this, this word we're singing a lot, love and acceptance to the worst, supposedly, person. And Jesus is call, calling each of us to love without restraint, to not fear embarrassment, um, or the norm, but to just love people. Secondly, Jesus loves you like crazy. Um, Do not waste another second thinking something else. Anything else is a lie. Jesus loves you. You can't be too messy. As well, just the lost sheep stretching the parable a bit. I think probably the lost sheep might have ran away a few times, even after he was found. Uh, you've not gone too far. And rebels seem to be Jesus' favourites, right? His speciality almost. And thirdly and finally, his love affects what we do. It affects our treasure. It affects how we hold things in our life. Um, And I want to challenge all of us to, to choose Jesus as our treasure So, I'm just going to have like one minute to just 
think about all that. Um, and I, I trust and believe that God has nudged you um, about how much he loves you. Um, yeah, so let's just spend a quiet second. Uh, maybe just in your heart, respond to Jesus about something uh, from that story. Even if it's just saying thank you for his love. And then I will just pray. Jesus, we thank you so, so much for your love. Thank you that when we were lost, you left the cool crowd to come and find us, God. Um, Yeah, thank you for the debt that you have lifted off our shoulders, God. Thank you for your judgment over us, God. It's a judgment of, of mercy, of love, of grace. Thank you so much, Jesus, that salvation has come to our home God, we want to be more aware of your love. We want to be more like you. We just want to be continually changed by your love, Jesus. We just want to experience it more so that we become it more. God, help us to love like you. The people around us in our workplace, in our school, God, help us to love the unpopular person, God. Help us to love the messy person like you do. And God, Help us to hold our treasures lightly, God. Help us not to value uh, the gifts that you give us over uh, the giver himself. But God, let us be truly in love with you. Let Let you be our treasure, Jesus. Thank you for your love, Jesus. Amen. Thanks, guys.